Hey, everybody. Fantastic episode of The Morning Show today. A lot to talk about after the Labor Day weekend. Uh, we cover some of the pop culture topics at the beginning. A lot of people stuck at Burning Man, the folks on All In Podcast getting a little bit of backlash. Then we talk about Sam Bagman fried and the rumors surrounding his presence in jail right now in Brooklyn. It's a little bit of a ridiculous situation there. We, we briefly touch on that. We talk about Machi Big Brother acquiring more mega mutant apes. And then we talk about the drama surrounding the Creator League, Mr. Beast is involved, the gaming community rallying against NFTs. Uh, the show is sponsored by Gala Films in partnership with the Razor TV show, soon to hit a streaming service near you, created by and starring David Bianchi. It's a jam. Go to the nifty.com slash claim and put in the password Blade23 for today's free NFT done in partnership with Razor. Go to film.gala.com to learn more about Razor. Hope you enjoy the show. Feels good to be back. Hope everybody had a nice Labor Day weekend. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. You can't get rid of me. I'm sure a lot of people are pretty uh, frustrated about that. But how did it go last week? How were the uh, shows without me, gentlemen? They were a lot of shows. Excuse me. I thought you were like at least. I thought you were at least on the stage. Uh, I heard the Thursday one. I didn't hear the Friday one at all. I'll read the Thursday one. Wasn't better. a glitch. It was perfect. Great job by Clemente and Nick together. Sound check, technical problems, smooth sailing. Well, well, Great they, work, team. Perfect, perfect. Uh, well, I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm glad that we didn't all, as a company, go to Burning Man because that would have been a, a little bit of a hiccup in operations. Nick, you lived in San Francisco. You never went to Burning Man, though, did you? No. I had friends who, uh, a lot of friends who went. Um, they were formerly successful individuals, and then they became uh, burners. Uh, and they, some of them, there'd be like people, I felt like it was basically people that did really well in school, had, uh, you know, ended up with successful careers, and then found out what it was like to take drugs <laughs> and thought it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, you'd like go to a party and suddenly like a guy would show up and he'd have like a fanny pack filled with like mushrooms and <laughs> ketamine and other and and uh, Molly ju just as options for you to partake in as part of whatever party he was uh, or journey that he was on um, during that. Uh, but before he had gone, like literally weeks prior, he was just like, you know, succeeding at a tech job that was like his thing his parents were proud of him that he had moved you know moved to san francisco from oklahoma you know and and now suddenly he became a drug addict i'm not talking specifically about anyone who i know i'm just thinking that yeah i mean like what a transition and burning man was the sole cause of that Wow, I will. That's there's no way that was about a very, very specific person. No shot in hell that that's the case. No, I mean, I think it's pretty wild. I texted my friend yesterday morning when I started. That was like when I found out that people were stranded at Burning Man because he's at Burning Man. We got dinner the night before he left last week. So I texted him, like, hey, you're not still at Burning Man. You're not still stuck at Burning Man, are you? And the text goes through as a green 
text message, like not an iMessage. And I was like, ooh, I think I know what that means. Uh, and he texted me back. I woke up to a text back today that just said, yeah, I am. It's not that bad. We just kind of are partying for a, an extra couple of days. Uh, my thought was like, dude, imagine you have like a day job in New York City. You work for like a tech company and you told your boss, you know, I'm going, I'm, I got to take a few days off. I'm going to Burning Man. And then you end up getting stuck out there for like an extra few days. Everybody already knows what the party scene out there is like. I would just feel like such like a, a funny person coming back into the office after that. I don't know. Well, you actually need to go. There's like events to like ease you back into society. After <laughs> uh, gone to the bar. I'm not kidding. Like actual like parties and stuff that you go to, I forget the term for it, but basically like I've gone to some of those parties in San Francisco. Decompression. Was a, yeah. Decompression. There decompression, you go. Decompression. Yes, so, yeah. And some people end up on like a circuit <laughs> of decompression parties. Like no joke. There's one that goes on in like Tel Aviv. There's another one that goes on like, and, and people turn these into like full blown mini Burning Man uh, experiences <laughs> where you're living out there for a f like a few days off uh, disconnected. I think there's a lot of variables g that go into it. Um, and everyone has a different experience there. So, uh, but for some people, it really is transformative. I'm glad, glad for them. <laughs> for me, that's just not uh, the way to get there. You can just do drugs from home. <laughs> like, those are like, that's like, a totally valid option <laughs> to be clear not everyone does drugs at burning man just like 90 percent of people <laughs> and so i think that um yeah that's that's the uh general vibe there well the next little pop culture segment that clemente prepared for us is uh about the all-in podcast oh go ahead well real ahead. quick yeah. i just wanted to say also other people the korea blockchain people seem like i hope there is no like mud event at that uh, Mike, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on who's the, the investor Dudas? Um, Mike Dudas tweeted out this morning. He was like, yo, the real, the real hustlers are, you know, going, uh, Korea, Singapore, New York city. Those are the people really building businesses. I wonder what like the correlation in his portfolio is be between like, conference circuit <laughs> participation and like business performance like what like how do those two do those two things correlate that's that's the thing i don't like most of these bit i love going to conferences don't get me wrong like it's a good opportunity to network with people and 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 build your relationship i, I wish we we could have gone to korea it wasn't in the cards based on where, what we have to accomplish here for the business but don't get me wrong i'd absolutely love to go to korea for the first time consume a bunch of delicious food uh that would be incredible yeah it seems like that would be a great opportunity i just You're don't like what are you gonna say? also Pio, like when every talks about going to a new place the only thing he talks about is the food it's never yeah. like Oh, like I can't go. You're on the wrong mic, by the way. Clark. You're on the wrong mic, amigo. But uh, yes, I would think about food. If I'm going to Seoul, Korea, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, think about the food a little emphasis bit. Emphasis on the name of the location, followed by what's the next emphasis? Is it on the, it, it usually is on the food. You are right, Clemente. <laughs> Pio's defending himself like this is a natural thing. But no, like for, you are correct. It's like an, ex, an excessive thing and his description of the location same as london remember a lot of people 
a lot of people say that London food isn't good. Those people don't know what they're talking about. They don't. When I went to Borough Market, they had this amazing <laughs> meatball sandwich. That's pretty much how. Not meatball sandwich. This isn't this isn't Southside Philadelphia. You're not getting a meatball hero over in London. It's the French. The duck sandwich is the one. Southside in- Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. The uh, yeah. The the whole thing. Yeah. Sorry, I, I completely lost what the uh, track was there. But yes, Pio's description of this. You are spot on. Pretty much everywhere is food. Yeah, well, yesterday at the Carnival Parade in Brooklyn, I got some incredible uh, jerk chicken with, uh, I forget what they call the greens. It was just so phenomenal. And I was pumped a lot about of naked it. women, right? Uh, that is kind of part of the, the parade. You could say that. That's part of it. Um, that's not why I went, but that's part of it. Uh, you know, the next... We'll- I'm curious, when you were describing it to us, you were like, you were like... Oh. As though you were offended by (laughs) naked women walking around. Where else do you like see that happening in the streets? Like what What Signal was doing. I was doing this. Theo's eating good food while doing this at the same time, just covering his eyes, pretending there's no naked women. Uh, I will say the funny thing too was uh, people were selling like jerk chicken uh, basically out of their apartments and you would have these brownstones that had two sides of the apartment and they were competing vendors. You know, so one set of prices on the left, one set of prices on the right. The funny thing is, is like the the general uh, sense of urgency with regard to commerce, I think could have been a lot stronger. We were like sitting there for like, everyone's sitting there for like 10 minutes, 12 minutes, trying to just put an order in. And then when people finally put orders in, it was such a loose confirmation of uh, whether or not, when and whether you would actually receive the food at all. I was just kind of surprised. I was like, I feel like this is an indicator of inflation because I'm trying to give this guy $50 for like four plates of food for me and everybody that I'm with. And he doesn't care about 50 bucks at all. Like he really didn't care about it. I wonder what the number was that would get him to be having a high sense of urgency. Hey, and Peel, wasn't it, I mean, swelter- it- wasn't it sweltering in New York yesterday? It was super hot. I feel like that added to the to the vibe, though, David. And uh, welcome to the show, David. David Bianchi, long time uh, pal of mine in the NFT space at this point. Super long time, pal. Happy to be here. I'm just going to continue to listen to your incredible story about jerk. Your New York, your, your New York vibes are giving me FOMO, man. L.A. was cold. No, I'm lying. L.A. was pleasant, but it, it wasn't hot. Yesterday, it wasn't like it was warm, but it wasn't actually unbearably hot. We went on the uh, we went to the pool the day before felt even uh, even warmer. Spent a lot of the weekend just sitting at the pool, as you can tell from my tan complexion on YouTube, uh, that that's, uh, that's what, what, where I was. Um, just a great pool environment. It, it also felt like, it, it felt like fall for a moment, and then it came back as, uh, as really hot summer. It's going to be like 98 degrees or something like that tomorrow. Uh, some, some insane uh, temperature. Is, it, is this Phoenix? I mean, what's going on here? What's going on? Is that one of your stand-up degrees. jokes? <laughs> 98 <laughs> degrees. What is this, Phoenix? Like, I, I feel like you're playing a character that Jerry Seinfeld made fun of on Seinfeld as like a hacky comedian. I did feel like that delivery felt stand-up-y, but I still, I still stand by it. I like the, uh, I li- I like the joke. Regardless, <laughs> New York City is very nice. I'm sorry for your cold weather in LA. Cold weather. Uh, no, 
not definitely definitely not sweltering and definitely not that 90 percent humidity new york city stuck between the buildings popping the fire hydrant <laughs> muggy hot so it was it was a vibe but yeah i didn't go to burning man either <laughs> well good for you david that's what i'm talking about staying away from the burn uh you know obviously nobody should feel too bad for david being uh you know located in Los Angeles. Great place to live. Uh, we will cover some of these other pop culture stories another time talking about Chamath. How's the food there, Pia? The food in LA is actually phenomenal. I think it is not brought up. Uh, well, the Michelin Guide goes to LA, which is a big deal. Or it doesn't. It doesn't go to LA. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it... I, I don't remember. Someone else can weigh in on that. Uh, I, I can't... Think it does. There's like some weird beef with them where they don't do it. They go to San Francisco, but they don't go to LA. But anyway, uh, we'll cover the pop culture stories another time. It was, Ch oh, yeah. Bring, bring it up. Bring the Chamath thing. Chamath and the All In podcast. Uh, I used to be a fan of this, and then I realized that they were all just pumping their bags and were pretty out to lunch. Uh, Chamath and the All In podcast are receiving negative criticism because Chamath claimed he is, quote unquote, getting back in the arena after an extended vacation in northern Italy and then going on a five-day gambling bender. The audience's criticism is, you all are not in the arena anymore. You're a bunch of billionaires, uh, or at least Chamath and Sachs are billionaires, uh, and you guys are a bit out of touch with what uh, being in the arena really means. Chamath also was tweeting, and someone like called him a bag pumper uh, or something like that, and he responded, why didn't you sell when I sold? What was your underwriting like at the time? And then people were just, I, I, I can't believe that he had that response on Twitter because it's like, dude, like you really think people are going to be like, oh, the, the guy should have had better underwriting. I don't know. It's like uh, kind of funny. But um, yeah, I'm, I feel like that podcast might not exist anymore like a year from now. Uh, well, it was always on the verge of implosion as, as they were all attacking each other there uh, on the show, primarily attacking Jason uh, Chamath had some other thing where, or like, well, the bottom line is what, so what is he doing? Is he launching another five SPACs that go to zero? <laughs> like what, dude, that whole SPAC sequence of events was, dude. was there any SPAC that actually did well that, that any, that any retail uh, buyer made I'm money I'm trying to on? see, how's Rivian doing? That was the one that I was like, I think may, yeah, Rivian's okay, I guess. Not great. Yeah, actually Rivian. Yeah. Year to date's up 35%. One day that five years down 80%. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not a single one. Not a single one. Not a single one. Dude. Wait, not a single, not a single, uh, spec spec at all. Yeah. yeah the not whole a single one, the spec thing was quite a weird transition. I, I don't know. I saw a lot of people. There was, uh, some other ones. I'm trying to remember. I got to look, go look up, uh, in a minute. What the, uh, my favorite the, one is phase. That one is now literally under a dollar and potentially getting delisted from the stock market <laughs> and launched through a SPAC. Tough. <laughs> the whole SPAC thing was ridiculous. A lot of people placed the blame on uh, Chamath rightfully um, because he literally invented it. So, yeah, that's basically. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what is uh, what what their deals is I find this thing where like the ultra rich just definitively like oftentimes present their commentary on the world as though this is the way that it is. And since they've made a lot of money, they know, uh, like, yeah, they're, 
their perspective is more accurate because it's more informed that they have uh, a yeah ju- and and that aspect of things is pretty infuriating and i think that's where chamath is receiving all the hate is his sort of a lot of them on that show they speak so confidently about their understanding of the world and 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 because they have some inside track to like the way that the world works but instead like they're all just vcs that were like like literally like you're saying pumping and dumping essentially like uh their their own bags and trying to just like exploit the markets for uh fast cash and many of them succeeded at that some of them have actually succeeded at building business enterprises as well i will say like they, they at one point they all had an operating uh, capacity and some of them continue to. Um, but I think that that's the biggest thing is just the sense of entitlement from, from like the ultra rich. I also saw another thing last week that was basically how, like, did you see around IRS audits, the ROI on, uh, like for every, uh, you know, a thousand dollars spent, on the ultra rich, they get back 6,000 when doing audits. But I was like, that's it? So if you're a billionaire, you paid 300 grand and that and that was like a win for the IRS? To me, that's just like, how how many billionaires are there, A? So like, we, so you spend all of your money and you go through like 10 more audits. So yeah, it was $90,000 per audit was the revenue generated from the 99.9% and the cost of it was $15,000. The economics on IRS audits just seems like, well, pretty good if you were a small business. I don't know. Just, What's the just, cost though is the thing like, dude, those things can't be cheap and they're hiring more agents. Like, and then sometimes they're firing more agents. I just feel like they have no idea what their attack plan is. They're just like, maybe, maybe this will work. Well, maybe. my accountant, I don't know if you'd want me saying this on the show. Every time he talks about the IRS, he literally just, he's got like a Southern accent and he literally just goes, and let me tell you, they are a mess over there. Like, yeah, you know, like that's every single time he's like, you do not want to wait for that return because let me tell you this, they are a mess over there. And it's just like always like makes me smile, you know, like it, it, he's so dead serious about it. Like I just lo- would love to know the amount of dealings he's had with them where he's just like, I don't know how we're going to resolve this, cause, but good God. Um, <laughs> Nick, the one thing I'd say about what your commentary is, is that if this is in defense of the billionaires is, for example, Chamath. Oh, no, it's not in defense. Of the no, no, I'm. I'm saying, was, I'm saying yeah. I, I'm going to defend the billionaires real quick just because Chamath, for example, he does his taxes through literally a big four accounting firm. So if, if KPMG, because you're a billionaire, it's like a pretty big enterprise. If KPMG is doing your bookkeeping, it's probably pretty accurate. You know what I mean? Like th- that's that's the way that I think about it, but I don't know, you know? Y- yes. My, my, ho- my thought is it's like, if you can't get the money out of the audit, stop. Like they can probably do way more small audits. I guess is my main point. Like vo- volume is not considered in that chart. And like, is it is Trump still getting audited by the IRS? Like, is that well, they, still like, going on? It. They like settled it, and now they're like auditing him again because like now there's like criminal lawsuits. Yeah. So it's like we spent a bunch of money. We maybe found something, but we're not going to talk about it. 
And now you know what we're going to do? We're just going to do it all over again. That's a different well, conversation altogether right there. And uh, let me tell you, it is a mess over there. Uh, look, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to discuss Machi Big Brother's Mega Mutant shopping spree. Uh, that was that was definitely interesting to witness. Wait, the trade actually happened? Well, he bought, he bought two. two others. Oh, he, I didn't realize he bought others. I just saw the offer he had on the remaining one. That was for the serum, but he bought two Mega Mutants, which oh, wow. is a, just a big thing to do. Um, Sam Bagman-Fried being in prison, we'll mention that. The content league controversy on the gaming side, a lot of stuff to talk about. And then we'll be joined by Gala Film at the end of the show to talk about Razor, their upcoming series. I'm incredibly excited about this. When we hung out with David, uh, I want to say at... NFT NYC, maybe it was five months ago, David was kind of telling us about this project, showing us some clips and things like that, and we were blown away. So to see it, you know, having been completed at this point, um, and, you know, to be able to have, you know, Gala and David on the show is very exciting. So just want to give a big shout out to today's sponsor, Gala Film, former sponsor of the show. Have them back. We're pumped. A game changer for the entertainment industry. Gala is a pioneering decentralized platform, Gala Film that is, and is reshaping the film industry as we know it, allowing filmmakers and fans to unite through the process of tokenized ownership. So obviously NFT people are aware of tokenization. This is incorporating it into filmmaking. So with Gala Film, creators streamline their production process while engaging audiences from start to finish. And thanks to the Web3 technology, every film becomes an immersive experience. Smart contracts ensure continuous rewards for both the filmmakers and the fans and remove any obstacles. So Gala Film's vision is a triple win economy. That's a triple win economy empowering artists, fans, and supporters alike. Emerging filmmakers can gain visibility and uh, are offered new ways to monetize their passion. So in a world where innovation meets dedication, Gala Film is the future of entertainment. Don't miss out. So if you're ready to be a part of this entertainment revolution, visit the link in the pinned tweet. Clemente's got it pinned uh, to the Twitter space or go to film.gala.com and join Gala Film today. That's film.gala.com. Really excited uh, to talk to David and the team later. Show some clips from the show, show the trailer. And also we have a free NFT uh, that is inspired by Razor. So really exciting stuff. Uh, we'll dive right into this weather report signal is it yours yeah well obviously it is right <laughs> yeah sure it's mine today guys it is september this is the real new year it's back to school back to work back from burning man tuesday september the 5th market volume coming in at 8.1 million blur at 2.5 ouch open sea at 2.4 million uh, looking at the mid caps over the weekend, well, we're slightly in right. We're slightly in red. We're down about five percent over the weekend. The biggest loser is Miladies. That is down twelve percent in the last week, below three point five ETH. As meme coins just continue to lose traction. Over on Pixelmon, well, that is up over eighty percent in the last week. It's above a five ETH floor as they sold out their physical Kevin Lego drop in collaboration with Base Chain. Many were impressed with the speed of shipping as international holders received their package in less than a week. Did you hear that, Nike? Over on Rafiq Anadol's Winds of Yawa. <laughs> Yawa Nawa. It's a tough one. It hit an, it's a tough one. It's, it hit an all-time high of 9 ETH following Rafiq's feature in, in the Las Vegas sphere. You have got to see the sphere if you haven't. The collection has retraced slightly, but uh, is sitting at an 8.2 ETH floor. Absolute win for Minters. 
Over the past 24 hours, Martin, uh, <laughs> Martin Shkreli. 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 Martin Shkreli went on a Twitter space to talk about Sam Bankman's free, uh, Sam Bankman Free's current situation in New York prison and detailed that he's moved multiple times after disputes with bunkmates and is now with a gang from downtown Manhattan. Martin shared part of his experience in jail, saying that he would sit in the toilet at 2 a.m trading alts on metamask for hours and that many inmates were also into crypto and nfts this, this is so ridiculous <laughs> overall nick we'll discuss it in a minute over on creator league uh well creator league was launched this weekend which is an esports tournament system featuring popular streamers and allows fans to participate by purchasing a community pass for 20 dollars, which would also get them a box of mr beast beastables there was controversy after it found out that these passes were in fact NFTs and streamer C-Dog VA withdrew from the event saying he made an embarrassing mistake promoting this to his audience. Over on to Skulls of Pepe, a Skull of Lucy derivative collection of 50 NFTs concluded their auction with the largest sale coming in at 3.3 ETH and the lowest at 0.3 ETH. The collection has recorded 8 ETH in volume since selling out with a 2 ETH floor and a 0.5 ETH collection offer. And then lastly, a D-God holder has won a Tesla Model 3 from Points Parlor, with Frank teasing the next big prize will be coming soon. That is all for the Labor Weekend news it is back to you folks in the studio fantastic weather report as usual signal some updates from the nifty daily digest you can subscribe at the nifty.com you need to have an account at the nifty.com to claim today's free nft that we're doing in partnership with razor and gala films so make sure you go to the nifty.com and get ready for that it's coming later in the show stake the world's largest cryptocurrency casino suffered a $41 million loss following a security exploit, but assured users that their funds remained secure on the platform. Hate to see it. $41 million is not chump change. Uh, hate to see that exploit on stake. Uh, after acquiring two mega mutants for over 750 Ethereum, Machi Big Brother is offering 500 Ethereum for the last mega mutant serum, which last sold for over 1,500 Ethereum over 18 months ago. Keep in mind, 18 months ago was a distinctly different market. In fact, 18 months ago is basically when Other Deed came out, so that you could argue that that was near the top of the NFT market. Also, at that time, the gold mega mutant had not been revealed yet. So much different, uh, you know, environment right now. This last mega mutant is the cheetah mega mutant. Uh, last but not least, Crypto Dick Butts has closed the application process for community members to form groups and apply to be handed over ownership of the new collection and will be reaching out to applicants. The largest combined owner is expected to be handed over full control of the collection. Those are your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. First story, SBF in prison, Martin Screlly. I mean, this guy, this guy is wacko in my opinion. Uh, I first found out about Martin Shkreli when he bought the one-of-one Wu-Tang record, which I thought was a very cool thing for the Wu-Tang uh, clan to do. At this point, that's like over 10 years ago. That was like, you know, when I was like 21, 22 years old. Uh, basically, Wu-Tang clan made an album and sold it like it was, a, you know, a Picasso painting or something, a one-of-one, one, never released the music, and Martin Shkreli was the guy that bought it. It allowed him to go on The Breakfast Club and go on Funk Master Flex, you know, Hot 97, like the New York radio stations and become like a personality, like a super villain in, um, you know, the hip hop world. This was at the same time that he was, uh, sorry, him owning the 
well, the super villain wasn't because of him owning the album. Well, but, yeah. it, he said he he was thinking about destroying the album, and people were like, oh, "F wow. you!" And you know, he always has tried to play the heel, and has always been obsessed with attention. Obviously, I think what you were going to mention is how he hiked up the price of a drug. Was it a diabetes drug or some kind of drug? He was in the pharmaceutical world. He hiked up the price like six hundred x or something like that. People got really mad about that, um, and then he ended up going to jail. Maybe over that, if that was what. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then he was on Up Only of all shows, the crypto podcast with Do, Do Kwan. And he told Do Kwan, don't worry, Do Kwan, uh, jail's not that bad. It's not that bad, Do Kwan, uh, was the quote, the iconic quote. Him weighing in now because he's got like connects in the, in the prison system in New York is the corniest thing I've ever heard. And slash, I don't believe it. They brought in one other guy and then like they just went on this like rumor mill thing. And I'm like, Dude, like the the first, I don't even know if I believe any of it, but the the fact that there was this like uh, entire space, I can't do um, de dedicated to them discussing rumors of what SBF was doing was absolutely ridiculous. There was a guy who like like posted a video of him being like. Yeah, no, I mean, I got, let me just tell you, I'm talking to real people in prison <laughs> and they're telling me what's going on. Some of the comments that were on there was like, literally, the guards trade cryptocurrency. That could be a good or bad thing for SBF. What? No, my, my favorite comment was someone commented and said, honestly, SBF needs to convert and become a Muslim so that he can align with the right party in prison. And I was like, damn. Like that, and he gave like a three-part mini thread on why SBF needs to become Muslim. So that he's protected in prison. And like, I mean, I was, I didn't listen to the space. I was just reading like the comments on it after. Cause it was gold. Every, every single comment. I was like, this is the best entertainment I could have asked for on a Sunday. And all of it was like, yeah, no, they're trading Bitcoin, ticker Bitcoin in prison. Uh, they love shit coins in jail. They love NFTs. A bunch of them were early on the board apes. And I'm sitting there like, I, I don't believe that. You know, like personally, I think you might be lying here. Might be telling some fibs. I mean, this is just so ridiculous. Um, I, I can't, I can't do it. I honestly can't do it. I can't do SBF-related prison gossip. That is like the last thing that I can possibly do. And just the people that are like focused on creating that content is hilarious to me. Like, I don't know. Where we are right now, just real quick, because of uh, us discussing it, our popularity is surging right now, Pio. So we are now an SBF prison rumor uh I, I just talked ace. to him he just called me on his cell phone he just went giga long on uh on bitcoin but not btc like harry potter obama 10 sonic he knew he said it's the future of france ftx 2.0 will be backing it and providing liquidity for the foreseeable future this is all from a, a flip phone by the way he's texting me in green messages and uh using the, the one through nine to type out the messages it's impressive really he's been uh sitting on the floor there was something someone was like he's sitting on the floor uh i i forget what activity he was doing it was like he was either reading a book or writing playing in a sudoku. note playing sudoku <laughs> whoa wow <laughs> like that's so insightful that's so bullish can so you believe it prison. well we'll see what happens with him martin screlly's hilarious for doing this the fact that Martin Scully took time out of his day to do this is just uh, fascinating to me. I guess I just don't understand what what the life of Martin Scully is like day to day uh, for me to be confused by him wanting to do this. Uh, Bunny, Bunny, you have your hand raised and then we'll go to David.
I got the I got the ball rolling here on an idea for SBF from jail. What if he went live on TikTok and just did like those NPC streams? Like he didn't say anything else. Like no comments on any on any of his current situation. He just does like the NPC stream. He's gobbling up glizzies, like the whole nine. I think he would make a killer. And look at that. That is the brain of an innovative content creator right there. Bunny weighing in with an exceptional recommendation. Nobody send that to Martin Screlly because I'm sure he'll get he'll he'll get that info over to his people on the inside, and they will uh, you know relay it over to SBF. Uh, David, did you, did you have any thoughts on uh, SBF in prison? I saw you raise your hand. No, I, I was just having a complete laugh because I just I just had a deep recollection of you guys like flying out to the Bahamas or whatever was going on when you were chasing that down. And that was just such a legendary moment. And uh, side note, um, as far as the Wu-Tang album is concerned, I'm pretty con- I'm pretty interested and I think it's in good hands. So I think Pleaser Dow ended up acquiring that some time ago. So it's in good hands. But just had a recollection on you guys fucking hunting him down. And I wish you guys were outside of the penitentiary broadcasting live from SBF in jail. Quite frankly, if we had more time, I'm sure we would be. Um, if there was enough time in the day, Nick, no? We should, we should, we should like go outside Nick and the prison live from Rikers and, and, and be, and be like, we're, we're live here and uh, SBF, he is right inside there. Rumors are uh, circulating that he's currently playing Sudoku. A lot of people wondering whether or not he's going to get shanked in the middle of that <laughs> Sudoku puzzle solving. Uh, back <laughs> it, to you guys in the studio. It's not that far from where we live. We could get there on a motorbike pretty quick. It's it's near my boxing gym. Uh, it wouldn't be bad at all. We could get over there and and shoot some content and, and see if the guards would let us in. Maybe maybe Martin Screlly will reach out since he's so connected. Uh, you have to I, put on your county put on your county Browns. <laughs> <laughs> Can you like? Can you go in and say that you're like visiting an inmate? Basically, you to be on a list. They oh, have like approved a list. list, especially SBF. There's like, I'm sure, very minimal people that can just get on his list to uh, walk into a prison and speak with him right now. I mean, good God. Can you imagine how uncomfortable it must be for that guy to be in jail right now? That's like what I always think about is how gnarly the experience must be because he was doing fine on, until this. I mean, he was on house arrest at his parents' house, like some kind of like 30-something-year-old college student back home for winter break. Nick? I think, man, I, I, I'm not going to say the thing that I'm thinking. I, it, it's, it, it's, just, it's just too inappropriate, but okay. how his interview is going to go down. Uh, let me just say it involves uh, the person interviewing and uh, the situation involves conjugal visits. I oh, think oh, it's the uh, nice, it's the, nice bit. It's the, it's the backdoor approach for uh, the interview. Very uh, funny. Very funny, Nick. Uh, your mind went to the right place, I see. Uh, look, we'll move on from SBF here and we will talk a little bit about Machi Big Brother acquiring two mega mutants, spending over 750 Ethereum this weekend. I see a lot of tweets that are like, I'm not quite sure why Machi's doing what he's doing. When we talk to him, uh, he just, I think, really still is interested in NFTs and likes Bored Apes the most out of all the NFTs. Uh, he's now the, he's the second largest Mega Mutant holder. Who's the largest Mega Mutant holder? Who has more Mega Mutants um, than him? It's, you know, Applied Primates? Yes. The it's, Dow? So that is the largest, yeah, that is the largest holder. I believe they owned four, mm. I want to say. Wow. Machi is now at two, chasing a third. And then the rest are all one, including Lior, who's the Mutant Hounds. Oh, they own five. Okay, yeah, PTMNFT. So that is the founder of Applied Primates, uh, which has some close ties. I will say, like the 
the FIT Mutant Sunday event or Saturday, FM Mutant Saturday event was co-sponsored by Applied Primates and Mutant Hounds. So it, they are very, definitely closely tied when it comes to the board ape ecosystem and uh, what's kind of going on there. So I got to give credit where credit is due because the, the mega mutants were all on display everywhere, like all over the walls. Those were kind of like the, the large scale marketing move by board apes at the event. Well, it kind of makes sense that they would be there though, because if the proposal, I'm, I'm not sure what the status of the proposal is, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't like passed. But if it does go through, those serums would be worth having if he wants to actually build this sort of like, well, um, if he wants to curate this collection, which will be potentially shown around museums. It would make sense that those assets should be in the hands of Machi, uh, and then he could collaborate collaborate with the applied primate guys as well, uh, so that they have the entire collection. So potentially he could be acquiring these in anticipation that the proposal could pass. Well, damn. I mean, he's preparing himself. He's deployed enough capital for sure. Uh, Clemente pointed out in the notes here that there was a zombie crypto punk that was listed for 495 Ethereum this weekend. Uh, that thing should have sold during the bull run because those things were selling for like literally 10 million bucks plus before uh pretty gnarly stuff or maybe those were aliens i mean zombies were still really high value i know there's zombie listed under 500 since 2021 wow wow and and clemente you know wrote which one would you rather own i think i'd rather it's hard to say actually it's hard to say because the, sure. the mega mutants are one of ones in the board ape yacht club uh you know ecosystem nick i'd rather own a zombie punk I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I'm in the same boat. Zombie punk for sure. No hesitation on that. Zombie for Maybe sure. Maybe we should just 100%. buy one. Honestly, Nick, the way you're talking right now, let's just pull the trigger. Pull up the punks. Let's see which one's for sale. Let's do the damn thing right now. It's not eight hundred thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. Possibly go wrong. D David, it sounds like you weighed in for the zombie punk too. Yeah, zombie punk. I gotta admit though, I I a while back I flipped my punk and I went into mutants right leading up to the ape coin because I wanted I wanted to ape in on the ape coin, and so I you know I'm still super bullish. I think long term provenance when we look at the test of time five ten years from now, people are gonna look back. It's gonna be apes and it's gonna be punks, but punks are still always just gonna be in a caliber of their own just because of their provenance, but also kind of on the fine art tip and just what they stand for historically for blockchain ecosystems and, and just ETH in general. I think that uh, punks are always going to stand the test of time. I agree with you, David. And also, uh, I think, you know, for, so for example, Thursday and Friday last, of last week, the reason I wasn't on the show is I was on site with a vendor. And this vendor has never worked with any uh, crypto or NFT companies. And so I started going into like what we wanted to do, or I guess they technically worked with one, but they didn't go into the office. Um, and so I was in the office with them and I started basically talking about our business and their first question was kind of like, well, what is an NFT or something? So I was like, oh, okay, okay. I gotta, I gotta rewind here and take it from the top. And I took it from the top with them. And what I realized when I was explaining our whole ecosystem, this whole space to them from scratch is that it's easier to explain the fine art side than anything else. It's, it just is. It's like, so just like how Picasso made paintings and he made sculptures, this is just digitally native artwork. That's what it is. Rafik Anadol is just digitally native artwork. And when you put it in that 
category. And you just mentioned that Sotheby's and Christie's are already fully on board. They're already like, oh, no, we'll, we'll sell this stuff. We're doing it. We're going to talk to our collectors about this stuff. Um, it becomes a lot easier to understand because the crypto punks seem to be singularly in that category, the historical fine art category. It's just safer, in my opinion. Um, whether or not the apes make it into that category or some sort of grail collectibles, um, you know, we, we don't know yet. But it does get a little bit convoluted with the gaming angle that they take. I still personally think there's going to be a tremendous amount of value in apes and mutants. That's my personal opinion. But it just isn't quite as um, streamlined when you think about crypto punks and the fine art side for Denzels. When we had Raul Paul on the show a few weeks ago, he pointed out that when uh, there was a little bit of rebound in NFTs, the value accrued to like ringers and Fidenzas and crypto punks, the flight to quality, the fine art side. Um, so that's kind of the way I think about it. So I think, Nick, you're right in thinking that the zombie punk is a better buy than the one of one uh, mega mutants. Any other thoughts on this before we move on to Creator League? Going once, going twice. So, create. Well, quote, oh, real quick, I think I think you brought up a good point. Just like I'm also a quick thought on that is that like if we go back historically, like what made NFT sexy was fine art. You know, yeah. even before even before people were even before the, the the apes even existed, it's like everybody was just buying and flipping and trading on on Nifty Gateway, and it was you know then photography blew up, but it always really started with art. Even if you look at like X copy stuff, like his floors are holding firm. Look at Beeple stuff; his floors are holding firm, and everything else is really really wavering. And punks have held. I mean, where are they at right now? They're at a current forty seven ETH, forty eight ETH floor, so pretty pretty solid there. Anyways, done speaking. Yeah, of course. Uh, appreciate the contribution. Uh, so look, Creator League. Uh, so this was the little the little mini drama over the weekend. Good goodness gracious, uh, does the NFT space try to cling to any drama? Uh, Easy, could you give us a rundown of what went down here from the top for people that maybe weren't aware? This is a gaming story um, that actually has Mr. Beast involved, Nick's favorite person. I yeah, saw so the ad. Well, same. Like, I was watching, watching this video, video. Saturday. I was like, what is this? I actually got interested in it because uh, I saw this and then dove in and was like, oh man, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So Creator League is a multi-part, about almost a year long, what they're calling season split. It's the inaugural season split into four splits is what they're calling it. There's various tournaments. There's eight well-known streamers ranging from just general content to gaming streamers who are going to be participating in this. I show speed, Bella Poach, Sea Dog VA, who is kind of the face of the controversy, uh, OTK, Optic, which are some of the bigger gaming orgs, and then a couple others. Clicks is a big Fortnite person, Vinny Hacker is a big on like TikTok, and some of these other individuals. So the way that it's working is you can buy a creator pass for $20, which then puts you in the ability to compete underneath these creators. The creators do not have to compete in the tournaments. It's actually for the community. So the community after you buy the pass, you become a member of this community. And the roadmap for these passes kind of sounds just like an NFT roadmap. Exclusive Discord access, exclusive merch, AMA with creators, token-gated tournaments for community pass holders. And you can buy, like I said, you can buy these passes, which opens up the door to that community. The Creator League, it was voiced over by Bryson, actually, the first video, which was awesome to see. Really cool to see someone native to Web3 get into it. But... This is where the drama started to unfold. People started to ask questions, which Bryson was openly answering. They said, is this blockchain and NFT based? He came out and said, yes, these passes are NFTs and it's powered by the Near blockchain. So Near has a lot of money. They've done a lot of raises. And that's where Mr. Beast comes into play. 
because Mr. Beast did an advertisement on his most recent video. He's not in the league. He's not competing. And the founder of the Creator League actually was on a Forbes article and stated, yes, we picked the loudest megaphone to broadcast this message, being Mr. Beast. So he has Mr. Beast has zero ties to the actual project. It was simply a paid promotion on his most recent video. What they paid, no one's really sure. But the Creator League, there's speculation that they gave $500,000 to this initial grant and then an eight-figure check for all the marketing. Now, the drama continued from there because C-Dog, the, one, of the, one of the content creators, came out with a kind of wordy post saying that he was not made aware that there was blockchain infrastructure and was actually told openly that there was no NFT involvement given his hatred for the tech and that he said it's embarrassing that he effed up on his part to agree to promote this to his audience. OTK then followed up the next day, which is a gaming org. One of their co-founders tips out who the other co-founders, this guy, Asmongold, really popular YouTuber who's got probably 10 plus videos of him just shitting on NFTs, openly hates NFTs and tips out, came out and stated, we also had no idea that NFTs were involved. We're waiting on comment because yesterday was Labor Day. Creator League had no comment, and now the timeline's been an absolute wildfire with C-Dog now supposedly backing out, OTK waiting on comment, and the other six creators still no comments made, but it does seem like Creator League left out any mention of NFTs or crypto. The only place that I could find it, and I had dropped a video as well on this yesterday where I kind of broke down this whole thing in full, the only place crypto or NFTs are even mentioned and the only way you'd even know that they were mentioned are because the website to mint the passes on is called mint.gg, M-Y-N-T. Very traditional nomenclature for NFTs. And then eFuse is the tech powering this whole thing. And in their terms and services, it does mention blockchain infrastructure. There's zero mention of NFTs anywhere. Some people are speculating that this was a lost in translation moment between content creator managers and the content creators because obviously a lot of gamers are very outspoken on their distaste towards NFTs. Uh, and that's kind of kind of where the dust has settled for now. But I think we're going to get a Creator League statement sometime today. Well, uh, before we dive in, uh, and, and we got to dive into this one, this is a, a juicy one. I got the Creator League statement actually right here. It says, We're, suck it up. Okay. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are a bunch of losers. Uh, uh, I bought Shut your mouth and take our money, you dumb idiots. Okay, I'm, I'm, we're going to dive into that in just a second, Nick. Real quick, ladies and gentlemen, just want to remind everyone that uh, the partner for today's show uh, is Exertion 3 Films, an award-winning film production company. So Exertion 3 Films is the production company behind Razor with Gala Film. Exertion 3 focuses on cinematic works that are Web3 forward. So the opposite of the issue that we're talking about right now, people that actually get it here. Um, and the idea is that they're bringing sophisticated cinema and blockchain to Hollywood. Exertion 3 has produced six feature films and has licensed projects to Hulu, HBO Max, Paramount+, Plus, MGM+, Plus, Apple TV, and more. So in other words, the who's who of the biggest streaming services in the United States and probably the world. Uh, Exertion Films was founded by actor and producer NFT creator and, and friend of the show, friend of uh, friend of ours here, David Bianchi is on stage right now. David was nominated twice for the NFT 100 by NFT Now and has these on Super Rare and Maker's Place, curated at our Basel, uh, and has even been con collected by people like G Money, Keith Grossman, Meta Coven, you probably know that name from the Big Beeple sale, and of course, uh, Pranksy, who everybody in the NFT space, I'm sure, is very familiar with. So we're going to be talking to the team, including David, in just a little bit, and we've enjoyed having David on the 
show so far. Uh, really pumped to be in partnership with Gala Films and Exertion 3 uh, for this Razor production. If you're ready to be a part of this entertainment revolution that we're talking about, then visit the link in the pinned tweet or go to film.gala.com. That's film.gala.com to join Gala Film today. Uh, so back to people that don't understand NFTs, the Creator League. Nick, uh, you seem pretty appalled by this. Are you surprised? Uh, no, but I mean, I guess it got the guy more views as a result of like pulling out of this thing. Like none of it fundamentally like matters. Um, I, I, I think, uh, it is like, there's so many things that are weird. It's great. Every NFT person had to tweet about it. It's actually like hilarious. Twitter has become one of the like most ridiculous. It's becoming more ridiculous now that Elon's paying money. For people, everyone's re posting their thoughts on the exact same thing. And I, I was thinking about it this weekend. It's like all of us have a thought on this creator, uh, creator now thing. And I did see the ad on Mr. Beast, and I was like, damn, Mr. Beast is promoting an NFT related thing. Um, because when it was described, I like I ended up it, the dot GG and some of this other stuff just sort of gave it away. And I and I was like, this has to be an NFT thing. And I just thought it was surprising, but part of me was actually bullish on that from that standpoint. Outside of this guy complaining about it being NFTs, there, it seems like there, <clears throat> there's at least some practical. This feels like yeah. a good use case for NFTs, like plain and simple. It's community empowerment, community involvement. You get access to a creator. It's like a VIP experience. We talk about ticketing and VIP experiences being NFTs, and this feels like a very streamlined way to do so. And now there's a massive prize pool and gaming included. I'm like, this feels like a perfect storm. And sure enough, you just have one person who's openly pissed off about it, which is, I don't know. Like, I, I, if anything, though, I kind of made comments about it saying, if six of these eight, five of these eight don't back out, then the first week, as soon as they start streaming these games, it's going to be all eyes on it because people are excited about this. And all press is good press, in my opinion, versus if seven of these eight back out, then it's the opposite side of the coin. Then we're going to be looking at something where like this is ruled as a massive disaster. You know what I mean? So I think that there's a lot of ways that this can go, but I'm, I'm leaning towards this actually being a positive because it's not just Web3 talking about Creator League right now. It's traditional gamers too. It was all over like gaming Twitter, multiple YouTubers talking about how Creator League scammed creators and stuff like that, despite it like not being the case. So I'm like, this is this feels like this feels like a win. I will say it's kind of an interesting what? situation for Mr. What? Beast. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sig. No, I, I was just interested in, like, what are the objections specifically? Like, yes, people shit on NFTs, but in this particular case, what is the objection against, um, like, Creator League using this type NFTs of technology? NFTs are a scam. That's, like, Dog's <laughs> whole argument is that he just believes inherently the whole space is a scam, and by selling them, he's selling scam technology for a scam product that is a scam space filled with scammers. Is like, more or less what his videos, what Gold's videos from OTK have been about, and it's largely just this sentiment. There's actually little to any information about the actual technology discussed. It's purely that they believe the space is filled with scammers, and that's it. They that's don't mention... True. 100%. Like, I'm not saying that they're wrong in that statement, but like, this is a perfect opportunity to show that something positive can come out of it. And it's just because their entire sentiment is negative that they're continuing this push that they don't want to be involved with something that has such a negative connotation around it. 
And that's where their entire argument stemming from. Mm, I, I mean, it's, it's such a ridiculous position to have, um, like unnecessarily the amount of money that, um, like was probably invested in this marketing campaign. I think that's the biggest thing that's sort of ridiculous. That said, they got a bunch of additional marketing as a result of this whole uh, situation going down. That said, I don't know, you know what the outcome is at the end of all of it. And this is the first time that Mr. Beast, I feel like, has, has had controversy around his sponsors. I mean, who are these other people that are giving him millions of dollars as well? Like some of those game companies, I think this is probably one of the forcing functions of him launching his own products is uh, not just the fact that like um, it, he can convert directly to his, to his own brand sales, which is really powerful and, and have uh, really uh, multiply his enterprise value of his business. But the, the second thing uh, is he doesn't have to deal with sketchy sponsors because there's only so many people that are going to come and pay a YouTuber, you know, a million plus dollars on a single YouTube video. A lot of his content also is like it, it is following. He's basically taking a lot of the most popular genres that we've seen on viral YouTube videos, people shooting things with tanks, people like putting uh, a Lamborghini through a shredder. <laughs> large explosions like a lot of his content does feel like it's headed down um just magnifying the the genres that already existed and says well what if you can add a million dollars to that like is basically uh where it's at and then also do um high quality production it's working for him building advertisements i'm interested to see if he like enters into uh like what the next sort of genre phase whatever you want to call it is of this um of this space um like i'm also interested though like the crossover with mr beast because if you buy one of these passes you do get a free box of his chocolate which is about twenty dollars so it almost feels like you're getting either the box for free or the pass for free depending on how you look at this so like what was that true partnership advertisement because they have this like special giveaway that's partnering with one of Mr. Beast's brands. Then you also mentioned too that like Mr. Beast's content in this cycle has become a little bit more like wild. Like what happens if we throw a million dollars at it? He also faced some drama for that last week in which another streamer said Mr. Beast only cares about streams and isn't doing this for reviews and doesn't care about like the fun of this entire thing anymore. And uh, he, one of the first times I've ever seen Mr. Beast respond to, respond to that comment and he was just kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, you're ridiculous. And then, like, eventually came out so that they DM'd and now they're okay. But Mr. Beast has kind of been in a, a little bit of a little bit of the firing squad right now for the last couple of things that have been going down. Nick, what do you make of that? You're, you follow Mr. Beast closely. You're a big fan. I mean, yeah, P.O., I have a team standing outside of his house monitoring the situation right now to get try and get a read on his emotion. I, I honestly, I, I have no idea. It's... Uh, Mr. Beast just happens to be someone who I respect from the standpoint that they have a process in place for creating high quality content. And I think that that's something that uh, they've mastered. Um, it, like at this point, it's like borderline automation for him to just churn this stuff out. But also this, the production uh, investment that they make on some of these is still 
absolutely ridiculous. And I don't even know. I feel like those videos may be losing money now uh, at, at, to, for, in exchange for him essentially now focusing on like Feastables is making up for it. Like he now has, he's in the consumer packaged goods business and he has a multi, he's valued at over a billion dollars now. And my assumption is a large percentage of that is not attributable just to having the largest YouTube channel. Although that said, it feels like to have, you know, one of the top five YouTube channels in the world is probably worth somewhere in the range of a billion dollars. It feels also like the best marketing engine. Hands down, yeah. like you just slap Feastables on everything. And he's even gone the route now of like openly taking shots at Hershey. Like in that <laughs> video, he throws a Hershey machine well, in and it gets stuck. And he's like, it'll also get stuck he, in your gut. He, like, he, he also, he's been doing that since the, since the early part. He did a challenge of Hershey's versus Feastables the when, uh, yeah. with the, what was the chef? Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. And so it, he had them on. He's done a bunch of those. It's it's just escalated every uh, every time. I mean, the one where they did all the different yachts, and then they got uh, who, who was it to the quarterback to throw the um, uh, not the, Tom the Brady, pass. yeah, Tom Brady oh. to 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 knock the drone out of the sky with the football. Like every single like scenario that they 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 they're brainstorms have to be so fucking awesome to be part of <laughs> yeah. at this point in time because because it's just like no 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 that's not wild enough can we get like uh i, I don't know I no I, they imagine, they like, they did a thing where they filled a house with fireworks and they had they took body like sacks that resemble bodies like you know body models mannequins, mannequins, mannequins and they yeah. and they said you go put this where you think the person's gonna survive in the house and then they blow up the whole house and they go on and Mr. Beast is like, everybody died. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous content. Uh, someone in our comments, I think it might've been Mirzda, um, said they were gonna run out of the creativity. I, I think I disagree because as the budget gets bigger, the, like Nick just pointed out those brainstorms, they'll just come up with something preposterous. They'll be like, we're going to take five helicopters and we're going to send them into the Grand Canyon. Like, I don't know, you know, like, I mean, he's already will, done a Grand Canyon video. Bro. Come on, get up, get your Mr. Beast knowledge up. I will say though, it reminds me of what was the show that Joe Rogan used to do? Fear Factor. Fear Factor. Fear Factor. I feel, I feel like it's, uh, similar type of content at this at this point in time the distinction is it's like he's able to it's able to scale globally because of youtube whereas before it'd be like oh we're going to do a deal with nbc and whatever it is it feels like at this point in time most of those traditional distribution channels really uh essentially just cripple the creator for for the most part i mean we're still on a writer's strike but uh, i like who knows if Hollywood is going to exist, uh, you know. In, uh, I'm sure David uh, has an opinion on that, and he's going to be joining the YouTube show in just a minute. Um, but it is funny that you bring up Fear Factor, and, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start talking about Gala Film Raise and the production Razor with David in just a moment, and the Gala team, very excited, just waiting for David to connect to YouTube to join us there on video. But Nick, it's funny you bring up Fear Factor, because uh, one of the, the things that uh, I learned on site with the vendor that I was with on Thursday, Thursday and Friday is that that um, the, the founder of that company in 1932, long time ago, did something that I believe we're seeing the exact um, reproduction of in our market right now. And 
same weekend on my way uh, back to New York, listening to a podcast with Lynn Alden, uh, former guest of the Bitcoin show, one of the best macro uh, folks that you can listen to on podcasts for sure, was talking about uh, Lynn's new book, which is The History of Money, or I, I, Why Money Broke, I believe is the name of the book. And the first two, it's broken into three parts. The first two parts are focused on the history of money. And Lynn talks about in, in human history, how there's certain things that even if we re-ran the simulation of human history over and over again, the same things would pop up like the, the creation of fire is going to pop up the invention of the bicycle is going to pop up and the bicycle is going to come before the car right you need to get two wheels working before you get four wheels working um fear factor was a proven hit in the 90s it was it was like it was a hit if you so are you telling me right now if history repeats itself fear factor with joe rogan happens 100 out of 100 <laughs> that's times. not what i mean I that's that, no, Joe Rogan. No matter how many times you run it, he's gonna be on Fear Factor. No, that's that's not the point. The point is that um, clearly there's something about Fear Factor that's kind of like a it's kind of like a train wreck freak show. You don't want to look, but you can't look away type of thing. And there's freak shows all over the world. And I mean, dude, in the Japanese martial arts scene, they'll do stuff where they pair up like a huge guy against a small guy, and they just like love it. You know what I mean? And it's like it's that sort of uh, train wreck type of thing, um, and that's kind of what Mr. Beast is tapping into. And we know Mr. Beast's goal is like as broad as possible. And I watched that video that you sent, uh, where they talked about age groups that watch Mr. Beast. Uh, he's going as broad as possible. He's just optimizing for the most views ever, and he's going in the right direction for that. I think the train going into a pit was both. Uh, ridiculous and also I was like on the fence of how exciting uh, it was but they also had a reproduction of him standing in front of like a digital train for like they're they're getting involved like they have an entire their production su suite is now full-blown Hollywood level uh, like production because they're producing um, like some of the stuff that they're doing they have special effects experts they have also their budgets are real budgets like budgets for i think eight million or what what's the budget for like one video i don't think it's eight million okay. but it's in the it's uh maybe 1.5 million or something like that but in this case i mean they were like we don't have one tank we have three tanks and you have to uh protect that lamborghini from getting shot with a uh, with, with like a, a rocket launcher, yeah, cannon rocket, and he's like, you have forty eight hours and unlimited money to build any barricade, and then he always adds like another stipulation where he's like, oh, and by the way, after with five hours left, we're bringing in another tank. It's 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 the most guys, ridiculous I, stuff. Just 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 before we like we go to David, what I want to say as well is like going back to the passes. I hope like the statement that they come out with is actually to explain like why they're using this technology and to have someone like Bryson, who is a you know he's a great ambassador for the space, to just come out and just explain to creators you know from from a Web three perspective why this technology is so impactful, how it can help creators, and if there are some of the big names that want to drop out. I feel like this is a tipping point where we'll just be like, who is on the kind of the right side of this technology in the next five to 10 years? We saw, like, we've seen people historically make mistakes and think of technology is just uh, like a fad or a phase, whether that's cryptocurrency or whether that is the internet. We've seen huge names make those mistakes. And I feel like this is another example of that. But 
for these passes and in just the way they address this, this can either go either way. They can either bend to the creators who have just been shitting on NFT technology saying, fine, we'll somehow drop it and we'll come out with like, I don't know, uh, uh, Ticketmaster creator pass, which just sits in your email, or they just lean into their vision of like, this is what we want to do. This is what we're executing. And this is why we're going to do it. And whoever is on board is on board. And they've picked up enough controversy and enough attention right now that they can lean into that and still make this good. But I think like this, this, this is going to be a great example of adoption and how uh, established companies will still need to fight a an unfortunate perspective or stigma that this this space faces. But if, if they can do that and show success, it will be an amazing case study, whether or not you have the biggest names in it or not. Well, well speaking of case studies and speaking of understanding the technology, we are joined by David Bianchi of Gala, well, Razor and in partnership with Gala Films. David, welcome to the show. Mike, check, Mike, check. Can you hear me loud and clear? Absolutely. Hey, man. Hey, man. Happy to be here. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's good to see you guys, like even virtually or whatever, man. When I remember when we saw each other, whenever we see each other, it's always like a big hug fest. And uh, I'm super proud of you guys, man. You guys just stay legendary in this space. Well, right back at you, David. And, you know, we're here to talk about Razor and, you know, this project with Gala Films. Um, you know, I'd love to just hear from you and, and kind of walk us through, you know, what the project is, how it came about and, and how you all are thinking about it. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, Razor is uh, basically Razor is something that I conceived um, literally about, I guess, 14, 15 months ago. Like we've moved literally at this at the pace of Web3. And it is it's an eight episode streaming series that is in the vein of like Black Mirror meets Mr. Robot with like a little bit of Blade Runner injected into it. And what's kind of badass about it is, you know, it's the first project that's going to drop on Gala Film. And so for anybody that doesn't know, you know, Gala Film is a new streaming platform that's going to be dropping soon. And boom, there's the teaser right there. Yeah, we can, we can uh, play the audio on this. I was going to play it while you were speaking. Here you go. So with the audio, here's the teaser, ladies and gentlemen. Time. 0625. Been up all night reworking the comms to sustain neural connectivity. We can't afford another failed craniotomy. My migraines are getting worse. If I fail again, the results could be dire. But what I've created is the next evolution of mankind. A colossal leap in brain-computer interfacing. It will reshape humanity. It will change. Everything. If it kills me, maybe it was worth it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the teaser for Razor. It's pinned to the Twitter space also if you want to check it out, if you're watch, uh, listening and watching Mobley. David, that looks like it was a uh, you know, day's work. How, how long did it take <laughs> to make this series, huh? <laughs> No, it's, it's it's been a wild ride, and uh, and uh, you know I I'm so just to give you some context. So I'm the creator, uh, co-writer along with Dan Dan Pico, um, uh, producer, and obviously I played the title role of Grim. Um, you know we shot this here in Hollywood, and um, it's a direct uh, co-production with my company Exertion Three Films and Gala Film. And uh, believe it or not, man, we shot the entire thing in 18 days. Like 
That is oh. massively like that is a massively aggressive schedule for anybody who knows the filmmaking process. Like we shot like seven pages a day, A and B cameras. Like we went through this like a wildfire tsunami, and you know we got like two three takes. You know we had to, and we just nailed it. We pounded it out, and and um, you know it's 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 the first of its kind. There's never been a TV series that's ever been produced by a Web three company at a Hollywood scale to be released for the Web3 community with digital collectibles, NFT assets on the Ethereum blockchain. And obviously we'll get into some of that, but you know, above and beyond that, being able to bring people like Mina Suvari, like Danny Trejo, Richard Cabral, Emilio Rivera, like these are faces and names that you see in huge Hollywood films. I mean, the fact that we have Mina Suvari in a Web3 project is, you know, it's kind of mind blowing. And, uh, you know, when I come, when I was coming up with it, like the first thing that was ringing in my head, I was like, Black Mirror meets Mr. Robot, Black Mirror meets Mr. Robot. Like, I, wa I wanted to create something that like spoke to Web3 and something that spoke to our community. It needed to be something interesting in science fiction. And <laughs> fucking Elon Musk actually kind of inspired it with his Neuralink technology. Like the foundation of all this was basically Neuralink. So how dangerous could a man be? What would his moral code be if he had a device called the acumen that he creates and through a self-craniotomy installs it into his cerebrum and it allows him to access the World Wide Web instantaneously, download and trigger that information directly from his frontal lobe? And then what is his moral compass in a dystopian Los Angeles when he has to be the lesser of all evils amongst a den of thieves? And so in this world, it's all of those elements combined. Like cash is obsolete. Everything is done on chain. And so inside this grid zone, like every illicit transaction, every bag of crystal, every bag of dope that's sold is actually sold on chain. And instantly at that point in transaction, it runs through a tornado system. So basically that's a way to protect all the thieves so that the peeps, the cops who are always peeping into your data, can't track the illicit transactions that are happening inside this, this world called the grid zone well yeah i'd say uh you guys might have thought this through a little bit i don't know <laughs> uh it, you're, that's a pretty damn tight uh you know pitch and synopsis uh incredible stuff david so for people that don't know you are a, a television and and film actor and have been in the game for quite some time um you know as far as gala films go how did you and gala connect on this Dude, believe it or not true story i was speaking at at uh, VCon, the first VCon for, Vayner, for Gary Vaynerchuk, I was speaking on NFTs for good because um, obviously I, I minted, I meant spoken word films, like socially conscious stuff. And so I was minting films as NFTs, and I was at this after party. And guys, when you go to an after party, show a lot of teeth. Just do it. It's a great networking tool. <laughs> just like show, show a lot of teeth. And I'm walking through this event, and I just, and I met this really cool gal. And turns out we just started talking back and forth. We didn't know who each other were. And I was explaining how I wanted to build my production company and create blockchain content. Turned out that was Sarah Buxton, who is the COO of Gala. And that literally happened at a satellite party in Minneapolis at Beacon. And that, if we think that was May, so we're May, June, July, September. So that was 15 months ago. Literally 15 months ago. Now, two months after we met, we decided to go into business and then that was when I started writing the script. So I literally started conceiving the script with my co-writer 13 months ago and here we are and the show is complete. That's a wild timeline for anybody that's ever done, you know, been involved with production or understands how the entertainment industry works. That's about as, as fast as you can accomplish something like this. Um, and so obviously you gave us the breakdown of Razor from a creative perspective. You know, where do NFTs come into this? How did you think through the NFT integration component of this? Sure. So when we were in like the early like sketches of of the process of basically writing the script, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to bring 
the Web3 audience into the filmmaking process. Like think about like storyboards, animatics, concept posters, like what are the beautiful things that happen in the filmmaking process that hit the cutting room floor that nobody ever fucking sees? And one of those things, um, even like those top two tiers have already been uh, burned out. But if you look at that one, for example, the, con the Genesis is the concept poster. So I was like, wouldn't it be badass like if you own like the concept poster to some really cool IP, right? Because we know 10 times out of 10, that poster is never the final poster. Yeah. Right. And this poster that is a Genesis NFT is not the final poster. I'm working on the poster right now. Trust me. And so just the idea of being able to bring people into the lore while we're building the script, that was the stuff that makes sense to me because there's so much art that goes into creating this stuff that people just don't get a glimpse of. And so I wanted to really bring people into that, like elements of sound design, of music, of score and hidden nuggets inside of there too. And this, these blades are, are basically the center of the Z of the RZR Razor logo. Nice. And, and so, yeah, we have the Genesis NFT and the Blades. I guess, what are the differences uh, between the two? And, and, you know, why should someone mint these? Sure. So <clears throat> between the two of them, you've got a lifetime supply of 2,500 on the Blades, and then you've got a lifetime supply of 1825 on the Genesis poster. So these obviously can be bought, sold, and traded, and flipped, right? But the cool thing is, is that just so that everybody knows, we're not, we don't care if you buy an NFT. We're not asking you to buy an NFT to be a part of this because we're not selling NFTs to fund a project like so many other of our constituents in the film game have, right? The project's already done. Like you guys just, you saw the teaser, like we're completely wrapped. We literally just delivered our final credits last week. So obviously SAG strike contingent, the release is on hold because of the SAG strike. We can get into that. But the idea is that you could be one of 1,800 people. Actually, they're, they're, they're almost, almost out of the supply now, but you could be one of few that can actually own one of these very early first ever, in some ways, Hollywood historic NFTs, right? Because when we drop this and we go wide on Gala Film and we go wide with a streaming partner and millions of people see this, that's to me when mass adoption happens. Because people, why do you buy a Star Wars poster? You buy it because you love the fucking movie. That's why you buy a lightsaber, right? That's why you're bullish on Mr. Beast because you see what he's capable of. So then you buy the fucking chocolate, right? And so that's how we should treat NFTs as it relates to intellectual property and cinema. So suddenly when all these normies find out that people are buying, selling, and trading and like collecting these digital collectibles off the back of a show that they're emotionally connected to, that's when we get mass adoption. And us, the Web3 DGens, we'll already own them. <laughs> there you go, front, run, front, front running the general public. Um, you, you know, uh, Clemente uh, mentioned the watch to earn model to me. Um, you know, I'd be very curious, how exactly does the watch to earn model work? Great. So basically the watch to earn model um, in a very general way. The engineering is uh, the engineering is is, is currently in, in development. I don't want to release too much alpha on it, but the short version is basically um, these NFTs um, can be connected to film nodes in the Gala ecosystem, and depending on what tier of NFT that you hold, they have different earning potential. So currently, if you hold a film node, you're earning in popcorn currently, uh, and and popcorn eventually will be able to be you know, cash out into, into proper earning potential. So, um, so say for example, so the blades NFT, which is the lowest tier NFT at this point, um, isn't slated for earning potential, but the Genesis NFT will have back end rewards potential. So, uh, that's, that's basically, and, and, the, and the goal of it is, is that very much like the success of the show and the exploitation of the show is going to increase earning potential and rewards potential. 
let alone the access points, right? Because if you have an NFT, also keep in mind, if you have an NFT, you'll uh, a Razor NFT, you'll have access to watch the show in perpetuity. You'll never have to pay a subscription fee or anything like that. And that's another thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Gala is that like, we're opening this up to the world. Like we don't want to token gate shit. Like, sorry guys, I don't want to make stoner cats. <laughs> you know, it doesn't like, like token gating content is so counterintuitive. Like the whole point of motion pictures is so that the world can see it. Right. And so we want web two people to come to Gala film, be able to watch it, click play a subscription, just like any other platform. And you don't need to own an NFT. If you don't care, you don't care. People are just coming to see badass content. And I hate to say the word content because, you know, cinema shouldn't be cheap into that level, but you know, people are coming to see badass stuff. Right. So at the end of the day, it's like, we want to open up the doors to everybody. I mean, uh, you got my co-sign on that. I'm really big on that. I think a lot of times the NFT native audience has kind of a misunderstanding where they think it's better to only provide, uh, you know, things like this content or, or you know, whatever it is that uh, uh, an organization is providing singularly to this small audience of NFT holders. But that's not actually how value accrual works. You have to attract a, a, a sizable audience and then you can obviously have exclusive perks, but there's got to be a sizable audience for value to accrue. I want to talk about what's next. I want to talk about, you know, the strike and shopping this to different streaming companies. But first, you mentioned Gala Film at the end of Obviously, there's other um, entities like Gala Games. Can you talk about the the kind of current state of affairs with with Gala Film in relation to Razor and um, what people can kind of expect coming out of Gala Film? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you bring up a good point too. Like, if you're not bullish on David Bianchi or you're not bullish on Razor, you're not bullish on Exertion Three Films. That's cool. Be bullish on Gala, right? I mean, we all know, like, you know, Gala Games, you know, is, you know, Gala's the parent company. And then Gala Games is probably one of the biggest blockchain gaming companies in the world. Yep. And they have established themselves as, you know, literally like, in some ways, monolithic when it comes to blockchain gaming, right? And then their second segment of their entertainment ecosystem is Gala Music. And if you go on Gala Music, you see an incredibly robust platform, like a UI UX that is, I honestly think is slicker than Spotify right? But it's music that is blockchain backed, right? And even if we think about like AI, for example, like provenance has never mattered so fucking much, especially when it's released to music. I want to know that that's Colin. I want to know that that's Drake's voice. I want to know that that's Bass Jackers, for example, right? And so they have partnerships with Bass Jackers. They have partnerships with Snoop Dogg, and they've been doing a lot of drops. Jordan Sparks just sold out a drop. And so the idea that you can buy an NFT and know that that is actually authenticated by the artist because the, because it's immutable and it's on chain, that's a big deal. And I think moving forward, it's going to be a big, 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 big lifesaver for artists moving forward as it relates to AI. So the third part of the Gala ecosystem is Gala Film. And so what is Razor as it relates to that? Razor is basically their house of cards. It's the first piece of cinematic content that's going to be dropping on Gala Film. And so, all right, so that's one bullet in the chamber. So let's, let's, just, let's just go ahead and, and, spin, and, and spin the dial, right? Let's cock the hammer. So other projects that are already near completion is an animated series called Ghosts of Ruin uh, with Justin Long and Rosario Dawson. We were just at Comic-Con. Like we dropped a teaser for Razor in Hall H at fucking Comic-Con in front of 6,000 people on concert level sound. So, you know, golf and we're going hard in the paint. You know, another project is, uh, is a horror picture directed uh, by Chuck Russell, who directed The Mask, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, and also a couple of documentary projects, uh, one which is uh, executive produced by Mark Wahlberg, another one that is EP'd by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and also The Making of the Chronic, which is an animated docu-series in partnership with, uh, with Snoop and, uh, and Dre and Death Row Records. So they're, they're, there's some incredible stuff happening behind the scenes. At Gala Films, so like I said, if you're not bullish on me or bullish on Razor, be bullish on Gala.
I mean, wow. Uh, I wasn't aware of some of those productions. I mean, The Mask is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's like, you know, no, seriously, like uh, people like yeah. laugh. The cinematography, the color, you know, the whole thing in The Mask is is incredible. Uh, so that's that's really exciting for me. I also saw Earl Sweatshirt and The Alchemist dropped an album on Gala Music there. A lot of really uh, interesting stuff happening there. So obviously we got the strike going on right now. Um, and, and I'm assuming that affects your ability as an actor to work, but it's, it's great that you have this thing already done. Nothing's getting held up from a production standpoint. What's the next step for Razor? It's a great question. I mean, everything right now is literally on hiatus, right? So just to give you guys some context on what, on what happens in the strike, you know, it's because, so we are at a standstill and part of that is promotion and press is considered work as it relates to being an actor. Mm -hmm. So we were actually planning on doing a huge IRL premiere in Hollywood and it's likely still happening. Um, but that was supposed to be happening in October. Like we were going to pull all the stops, like high level stuff, huge red carpet, Sunset Boulevard, the whole deal, right? Um, big immersive experience. So that is still happening. And so right now, now the show is, is complete, we're just going to basically ride out the strike. And uh, we have pushed our release back because we just got to be, you know, in solidarity with, uh, with my brothers and sisters that are on the picket line, not just as the actors, but also the writers as well. Um, and as far as partnerships are concerned, yeah, we're having some very high level conversations. As, as you mentioned, like I've licensed projects to, to Hulu and to HBO Max, which is not just Max. Um, but, uh, you know, so this, the idea here too, guys, is that like, we're under no fucking illusions. Like web three cinema is only as good as web two exploitation, right? Because otherwise we're just cute people in, in blockchain making something cute again. No, 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 no. We want to do things that are going to be seen by the masses and seen by millions of people so that people can understand that this creator economy, that there are artists in Web3 that deserve to be heard and deserve to be seen, and that this new technology is fundamentally the new way that people will experience content and the way that they will be able to interact with content, not just now, but I think moving forward for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It's just basically an incredible new way of distribution and a whole new way of engaging audiences that we're going to educate Hollywood on how it's done. Yeah, I mean, if you can compete with other production companies in Hollywood and and the work coming out of, you know, Gala Film, for example, is, you know, top tier before you know it, it, it that it doesn't take long as long as the work is is top tier for people to start to catch on. So I, I love that angle. Well, look, I want to throw to Nick for a question in a second or maybe signal if she has a question. But quickly, I just want to ask, so how do people mint the NFT? We got the Genesis NFT. We got the Blades. How do people mint these? Oh, you're muted, oh, David. Sorry, I muted. I I muted him. Oh, super. Uh, <laughs> his phone's. Uh, you, I think your phone's close to the microphone. Basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me kick it away. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, look, it's super easy. The UI UX on Gala is really, really easy. So you go on there, and um, you can basically set up an account. Um, and you can use your MetaMask, you can integrate your MetaMask if you want to do that, or you, when you can set up an account and you can transfer ETH into a Gala wallet and then you can buy it and you can mint it on the Gala site. Um, they're also, you know, they, and they are available on secondary as well. But, um, you know, you can go on there and it's, it's pretty straightforward. If you're a Web3 DJ, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, the UI UX is pretty straightforward. There we go. So Clemente, uh, I'm, you know, we have that pinned on the Twitter show. Clemente, if we could maybe, uh, we have film.gala.com right here on the YouTube show. Uh, so everything is right here. If you're interested, you can check out those links. Uh, Nick do, or, or Signal, do you have a question for David? 
Yeah, I do actually. First of all, I love the juxtaposition of like how we've been we've been talking about Creator League in the past and the controversy that they're facing with you know big names dropping out because they think blockchain technology is bullshit, and then you're coming in talking about how powerful it is as a distribution mechanism. And this is just these great two case studies of who's going to be right in the next five to ten years. And then just even watching that trailer, it like it reminded me of like, for example, when I first saw the Matrix trailer, and you don't really know what you're walking into, but when you come out the cinema, you're just like, that was one of the greatest films I've ever seen. And then you go on to love everything that that film makes in terms of IP and then wanting to go and see, you know, films number two and three. So I think you're completely spot on in terms of like, people have to love the content first. And if they love the content and it resonates with people, they'll be happy to buy, you know, mugs, coins, digital collectible posters, anything. So I think the direction you're going in is really smart. What I wanted to ask is, when you talk about Razor to uh, non-Web3 cinematic companies in, in, in Hollywood, what is their take on how you have done the film and integrated blockchain technology into part, no, like into the IP and the law? Uh, look, it's a great question. I mean, it's funny that the Variety just dropped an article explaining how NFTs could be the savior for a lot of the tourniquets that are happening inside of Hollywood right now. So there was a lot of like nasty FUD and a lot of like really bad public optics. You know, once, you know, the, the class action with the BAYC and all the celebrities getting fucking slapped on the ass because of that. Obviously, the crash created a lot of issues. But because Gala has such a robust ecosystem, and because they have uh, basically a really, really powerful case study that they can achieve this at a really, really high level, they're paying attention, right? You know, Hollywood wants to be involved in anything that's going to help assist engagement and also assist driving the greenback, right? If it's going to make money when bad go up, they want to know, right? And so I think that they are paying attention because it is a new way. And, you know, we are trying to figure out how do we connect with audiences in a different way. And digital is everything, you know? I always clown on normies for like, well, you know, NFTs aren't tangible. So I say to them, okay, is your money tangible? No, it's in your phone. Is your music tangible? No, you don't have records anymore. Is your, are your pictures tangible? Nothing's fucking tangible. So it's just the notion of them like accepting the idea that NFTs and Web3 technology is here to stay. And that is fundamentally going to be the back of the house of everything in the next 10 years. So we're approaching it in a way, like you said, create really, really engaging, sophisticated cinematic content and you know let web2 audiences slowly discover it on their own volition and you know i think that hollywood is is more and more starting to pay attention like lord of the rings did a really really good job at it like what they did was really really smart flash for example has a whole like web3 ecosystem you know and if you look at all the top agencies you know those web3 departments still exist at caa at wme you know um, anonymous content has the lab where they're focusing on emerging technology so this stuff is here to stay even though there's some fud going on you know that's going to go away and as long as people can engage and as long as they can make the studios more money i think they're definitely going to be interested and uh, we're creating a path forward for that like this has never been done before you know we're, we're writing the book as we go and you know we're going to make mistakes but I think we're, we're doing a pretty good job so far. And like the fact that like these celebrities, you know, this incredible cast of Razor and other people are like hearing about this stuff. Like that's the whisper in the wall, you know, because when you hear about it from a trusted voice, then people pay attention. It, it kind of washes away some of the bad press because you're like, wait a second, David Bianchi's doing this. And he's, he's the showrunner of this incredible series. He obviously knows what he's talking about. So when I talk to Danny or when I talk to Richard or I talk to, you know, Mina, for example, they're like, oh, this is really interesting. It, it raises an eyebrow, you know, and I think that that's the thing. When it comes from a trusted voice, then people are more interested in engaging.
Absolutely. And you're planting the seed. And over time, that's like you said, that's how the narrative gradually shifts. Doesn't happen overnight, right? So very exciting stuff. I want to drop our free NFT in honor of Razor. So Clemente, if you could uh, dish out the password. Okay, looks like the password is Blade23. So ladies and gentlemen, if you go to the nifty.com slash claim and put in the password Blade23, that will claim the free NFT. Here it is, David. What, did we do Razor justice? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, yeah, that's so wild. That's so wild. That's you. <laughs> that's, that's so wild, man. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some, the, uh, Clemente, if you can expand it, uh, you know, yeah, our. our got like, it's okay. got like mutant, it's almost got like mutant eight vibes. <laughs> well, we'll take that as a compliment. Um, you know, our, our art team went off of the trailer, went off of all the material that we gave them that was razor related. There's the life death code uh, moniker right there under film. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it. And and if you claim that free NFT, you can see the links in the description that uh, will direct you to film.gala.com. Really easy to go there if you're interested in minting either the Genesis NFT or the Blade NFTs. So again, go to the nifty.com slash claim uh, with the password Blade23 to claim the free NFT uh, done in partnership with Razor. You know, David, any closing thoughts, anything that we haven't covered yet, whether it's about Gala, Exertion 3, uh, or or Razor that the audience should know? Yeah, I think that, um, look, I'm, I'm really excited that we got to be able to show the teaser. You know, and keep in mind, this guy's, what you just saw is just the teaser. Like, this isn't the actual trailer. There's a lot of elements of this world that I didn't really want to release yet. And um, I just want to leave you guys with this, is that, like, if you decide to step into the world and step into the the Gala film and the Razor ecosystem and Mint Genesis or whatever, what have you, you know, you can have the confidence of knowing that this is already done and that it's here and that it's coming and that you're a part of something. You know what I mean? It's almost like when we think about like what Yuga's doing with the other side, like there's the promise of that game that we know is already built and we know that it's coming and people can at least rest easy knowing that, hey, this is a this is a long play, but this is a play that I could sleep well on. You know, it's not like, I mean, how many NFT drops, you know, ended up making wood when they promised you the world? <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't even like, they didn't even polish the wood. They just gave you a dirty piece of wood and they just sent you some dumbass socks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like at least we're creating something that is real and that's tangible. And um, so that's the thing. Like if you believe in blockchain and, and at the end of the day, if you believe in badass cinematic content, you like sci-fi, dive in, you know, and we're here and, um, you know, the discord's live and well and, and we're all accessible and we're transparent and we're decentralized and that's what we want to do. And, you know, we want to change entertainment for, for the better. Couldn't have said it better myself. And speaking of badass content, we're going to roll out with the trailer one more time. So Clemente, if you can uh, share the screen and just play this Razor trailer one more time. So in case anybody missed it, they're able to see uh, you know, this, this dope production that I can't believe was completed as fast as it has been. It shows the kind of uh, the veteran you know, uh, production folks that you guys partnered with on this. And obviously you as a showrunner, David. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is the trailer for Razor. Today's show is in partnership with Gala Films, Exertion 3, and of course, this Razor series that is completed at this point, starring David Bianchi, created by David Bianchi, and uh, you know, done in partnership with uh, Gala Film. Clemente, uh, yeah, let's run it with the sound, please. Time, 0625. Been up all night reworking the comms. To this day, neural connectivity. We can't afford another failed craniotomy. My migraines are getting worse. 
If I fail again, the results could be dire. But what I've created is the next evolution of mankind, a colossal leap in brain-computer interfacing. It will reshape humanity. It will change everything. If it kills me. Maybe it was worth it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. One more time, the trailer for Razor, the complete production, uh, coming soon to a streaming platform near you. David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we were incredibly excited to have you on and you know, to have another partnership with Gala Film uh, for this Razor project. Thanks so much for joining, man. Dude, it was my pleasure. And uh, I know Gala Film is on stage. I wanted—is there? I know they're they're here with us. Maybe there's anything that Gala Film might want to tap in on. I don't know if there's anybody on that on that platform that wants to say a little. I don't know if, sure. Hutch, if Hutch is back there. Good, um, good morning. Morning, Hutch. Um, no, I think I think you you covered everything. I mean, you hit all the talking points, right? This is this is one of the the beauties of partnering with somebody like David. He's well immersed in film, well immersed in NFT. Speaks fluently across both. I, there's there's nobody better to be launching this platform with. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Make sure you go to film.gala.com to check out two different NFTs uh, associated with Razor, the Genesis NFT and the Blade NFT. Definitely check it out. Learn more about Razor and the other productions that are coming out of Gala Film. We'll be back on this show tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure you follow Gala Film, David Bianchi, and Exertion3 on the Twitter stage if you are consuming the content on Twitter. But yes, that's our show. We'll be back Back tomorrow we run the show monday through friday here's a little razor's edge by acdc in honor of razor right here uh have a good one everybody have a good rest of your morning thanks for listening